tonight we are here because of a few verses. Mainly, we're here because of a few verses in First Corinthians chapter 11, which go like this. They say, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And those are pretty stern words, really. They are fairly serious words. And two weeks from now, when we go to the line and and take some bread and some juice, none of us, of course, wants to be eating or drinking condemnation, judgment on ourselves. And Paul says to avoid that, you need to examine yourselves. You need to to take a self-exam. Kind of like a a self-test in some ways, which many of us grew to know and love in our days at school. Except that, except that with a self-test, typically um, the questions are already there. And, and in this situation, we are in some ways responsible for both the questions and the answers. And tonight I want to give you a question that I think you should include in your exam. There are multiple questions we should be asking ourselves. I'm going to give you one to focus on. And before I give you that question, I want to review with you why it matters. During testimony time tonight, many of us will touch on two areas. One will be, are we at peace with God? And the other is, are we at peace with our fellow man? Now, we know we need to be at peace with God because it would just obviously be a hypocrisy to go through communion if we weren't at peace with God. But why do we need to make such a big deal about us and the other guy? Who, by the way, might be stinker. Why do we need to make an issue of that? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 5, If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Jesus, in that passage, is saying, and he's using Old Testament language to get a point across, before you make that sacrifice, before you bring that worship to God, if you're aware of something between you and another brother, you need to go try to take care of that. Do what you can to make things right. Because to just plow ahead and say, well, it doesn't really matter. This is just about me and God. That wouldn't be accurate. And it would, I believe, would be making that sacrifice in an unworthy manner. Now, two weeks from now, we're, we're not going to have an, an, we're not going to be doing sacrifices in, in the sense of an Old Testament, you know, bring your offering to, to the temple. But if there was ever a situation in which Jesus' teaching here in Matthew 5 would apply, it would seem to apply to the service of communion, in my mind. There's, there's nothing that fits as well as that. And it probably should apply to more areas than just communion. But that is one that definitely applies. Now, this message 
is not really about, uh, the main focus isn't really reconciliation per se. I'm just reminding you that God cares about our relationships with each other. And so coming back to the question, the question I have for you is based on a verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I told many of you that the last time I preached in 1 Thessalonians, that I was probably going to use this verse tonight. And here's the verse. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15. And it comes after Paul has given a number of commands to the, to the brotherhood, each command hitting on a different area critical to congregational life. And he gets to verse 15, and he says, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. And so the question for your exam is, have I been seeking the good of people who have hurt me? Have, have I been seeking the good of those who may have injured me in the past? Have I responded well to those injuries or have I hurt them back in some way? See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. This is not a complicated command, so I won't spend a lot of time breaking it down. We don't need to really analyze this verse. But basically what Paul is saying is, you, the congregation, these, these if you look back for the last couple of verses, you'll see that he's, he's addressing the brotherhood as a whole. You, the brotherhood, need to make sure that no one is your tr in your church is repaying evil for evil. But instead, we need to be doing good to each other, to one another. Just always seek to do good to one another. And that verse, one, the, that expression, uh, one another, means to me, surprise, surprise, Christians in a church sometimes do not always treat each other, one another, very well. So I, I want to talk just a few minutes about how we can disobey this verse, and I, and I hope that will feel practical and, and help you think about it. I'm not going to take up too much time here this evening, but let's talk about some ways in which we can disobey this verse that commands us to always seek to do good. And instead of talking about being evil or repaying evil, let's talk about being less than nice. Because we don't often call things evil. We just don't. We don't say, but that was evil. So we'll just call it less than nice, because that will help us put it in everyday terms. If someone is mean to you and, and you want to respond wrongly, usually we don't think about it, but you've got some options. Here are some different ways in which you can respond in a less than nice way to those who have done, who have not treated you well. Option one is payback mode. Quite a few years ago, quite a few years ago, my brother, Ivan, locked me in the basement. And it wasn't that I couldn't get out. I could have gone out the, the bottom entrance to the ba basement, but I wanted to come up through the house, and I was at the top of the stairs, and of course he had locked the door on me. And so I was pounding on the door, and finally someone came and unlocked it for me, and I was very angry, 
And I don't remember why this particular incident really stands out to me. But I went into the living room. I remember exactly where he was sitting next to mom, which um, you would have thought would have given me some pause, but it didn't. And I just punched him as hard as I could right in his stomach and just totally knocked the breath out of him. And, and I, I have this image of him back in the bedroom on the floor flailing around. I'm not sure how he got from the living room to the bedroom. Or, and I remember getting spanked, it felt like, multiple times. But that was payback mode, and it didn't work out real well for me or either of us. We don't usually do this, right? Uh, I don't think we usually go into payback mode, at least not in an obvious way, because it's pretty, it's obviously kind of immature. And it kind of makes us look bad in the process. Now, now sometimes maybe we're, we're so mad that we can't really help it, but, but um, we usually don't do this in an obvious way. We need to be careful that we don't do this in a more subtle way, because there are more subtle ways to pay people back. Uh, one way that I can think of is, is if I hear somebody praising someone that has done something to injure me, if I hear someone else praising that person, that can be very annoying. And it can be very tempting to kind of say, interject a few things to moderate the other person's um, high regard for the person who hurt me. So that's, you know, it's better just to keep quiet in that, in that kind of situation. That's a subtle way to, to pay people back. And there's other ways, too. That's payback mode. That's not right. Option number two is to go into martyr mode. Um, you know, I, I've been deeply hurt by this individual. Uh, I've done nothing wrong, and I'm just doing the right thing and suffering like Jesus. And, you know, the, the, the problem with martyr mode is it can be deceptive, and it can paint an, an inaccurate picture about, you know, where the fault, where all the blame is. And instead of, uh, instead of it being a joyful, you know, the, the true martyrs, they would be pouring out a joyful testimony uh, about their love and devotion to Christ, the fake martyrs, I think, tend to just complain more about their persecutors. That's probably the difference between the, between the, the real martyrs and the fake ones. So that's martyr mode, and that's not right either. Option three is what I call armor all, armor all mode. Armor all is a great thing for your car's dashboard. It's not a great thing for church benches or chairs. It means just kind of hunkering down, uh, buckling down. Uh, I'm tough. I'm going to. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to clamp my mouth shut and stay in my corner. And one of the problems with this option, one of the reasons it makes, one of the reasons it's appealing to us and to me, and I think I've probably done each of these at some time or another. One of the things that appeal, can appeal to us about armor all mode is that it will keep us from finding out some details about the situation that might help us understand the other person better. It might, we might even find out that the other person didn't hurt us as badly as, as we thought he did, and maybe we were more hurt than we needed to be. And that's not really, if after you spent a while being hurt, that's not necessarily a fun thing to find out. It's more um, 
satisfying to think he hurt me and he is a real stinker. The problem with all three of these options are that none of them are concerned with the good of the other person. They all find probably a, a secret satisfaction in the other person being a bad guy. And we're not supposed to be satisfied with that according to this verse. None of these options are good for the other person. None of them are, are good for the church either. When, when someone goes into payback mode, well, that you've just got two problems now to deal with. When someone goes into martyr mode, people are just going to end up choosing sides. When people go into armor all mode, well, then you don't have people interacting like they're supposed to. Ephesians 4 says the whole body being fitted and held together by whatever every joint supplies, according to the, the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body. Just a description of how we're supposed to be working together, contributing to each other's lives, and that's just not really possible with armor all. So that's, that's, those are some ways in which we can, I think, fall pretty far short of this verse, of this command, to do good. So our obligation, if someone has hurt us, is to seek that person's good. In fact, you can decide if this is a true statement or not. I don't know that I have, um, you know, Bible verses to support this, but in my opinion, in, in the context of a church, if someone has done you wrong, I think you have more of an obligation to do good to that person than you did before. I think you have more of an obligation to reach out to that person than you did before. And in the process, you may find out that person wasn't really as mean as you thought he was. Or in the process, you may get hurt again. That, that I think, is what Jesus was talking about when he said, turn the other cheek. Be willing to take that risk. So how, do we, how should we seek each other's good? I've got a few ideas here. These are not well fleshed out. These are just briefly... We, one way to seek that other person's good, this is the best starting place, is to simply pray about that person, pray about what might be going on in his heart. Look at 1 John chapter 5. There's a promise in there about a life-giving prayer that we should all be familiar with. It's a promise. It's, it's, it's an example of the kind of prayer we can be assured of God will answer. That's one thing. Second, we put on a muzzle. Studies have shown that most bite wounds are caused by someone opening his mouth. So put on a muzzle. Be, be careful that your words about that person. I'm not, I'm not saying don't say anything about the situation and talk to nobody about it. Because I don't, I don't really think that's realistic. But what I, I am saying is make sure whatever comes out has gone through this filter of doing good to the other person. That's the end, end goal. Thirdly, serve the person. Find some way you can serve, and if you can, find, do some active service. 
if people start doing lots of nice things for me in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to get paranoid. Fourthly, there, there's, this, this, there's a place for confrontation. There's a place to say, hey, what, what you said hurt me a bit. And, and if you're in conversation with someone and he says something that hurts you a little bit, you might just you might just choose that opportunity to, to make clear, you know, that, that actually hurt a little bit. Because sometimes they will say something like, well, I hope you weren't offended by what I said. Go ahead and say, yeah, that, that did sting a little bit. but um, And then maybe you can just clear it out, clear it up right there. But uh, if for, for things that maybe are a bigger deal, be cautious about the confrontation step. In other words, I would encourage you to do some of these other doing good kind of activities first. At least pray for that for that guy first. But if, if we feel like it's a sin issue, Matthew 18 and Galatians 6, those are things that need to come into play. So that's what I want you to be thinking about. Am I seeking the good of everyone? Am I seeking the good of people who, have, who have, I felt like have hurt me? How have I responded in those situations? You know, the thing is, if we have already been living lives that are, um, and where this is a priority of ours, doing good to, to one another and to everyone, I think this will come fairly naturally. You know, when, when if someone does something to injure us, well, now that you've got my attention, I'll do good to you too. I think that that will come more naturally if it's already a pattern in our lives. If we've been living fairly Self-centered lives is probably going to be a lot easier to react the wrong way. So that's something to think about. We need to be asking ourselves some questions in these next, hope, I'm sure you have already been asking yourself questions as to, as to where you're at with God, where you're at with each other. And I think this, this needs to be one of them. Am I seeking the good of everyone? And I hope that the, the, testament, the testimony of all of us will be that, that yes, with God's help, that's where I'm at or that's where I'm getting to.